look great. You look great in person. You look so great. And, uh, and if you're online, you know what? We love you too. We understand you couldn't button the pants enough to make it to church. We get it. It's okay. We wish you were here, but we're so glad you're there. So everybody, can you just make some noise? Put your hands together for everybody watching online. We love you. Okay, um, I'm sure that you heard about it last week, um, and, and you might have seen it when you were in the kids' hallway uh, this weekend, but we have Advent, guys, that's starting very, very soon, and starting December 1st, and so every family is getting a bag, and in the bag, it's a nice little, I just love these, it's amazing. So it has the Advent ornaments in them, ooh, everybody say, ooh, isn't it amazing? So it has all 25 days of Advent in here, okay? So you have the ornament on a little ring, so every day starting December 1st. You can read the Advent ornament that's on our app, on the website, and um, there, the bag's gone. <laughs> the bag's gone. So as you're doing it, your kids can color on the back of the ornament, and then you can have a little tree that you can put all your ornaments on. Everybody say that's very cute. I know it is. Everybody give it up for Dalen. He's going to come in. He's going to give it. He's going he's gonna to take our bag, take all of that. Good job, Dalen. You have a great beard. You're very tall and large. <laughs> he's amazing. So that starts December 1st, and, uh, and it's going to be amazing. Okay, uh, well, it's Thanksgiving weekend, and I thought uh, we should talk about Thanksgiving. On Thanksgiving weekend, we're going to be talking about gratitude. Everybody look at a neighbor and say, Attitude. Look at the other neighbor and say, of gratitude. It's good. Good job. Uh, there's going to be a lot of that. There's going to be a lot, of, a lot of feedback. Okay, so if you hear something that you like, it's okay to say amen. Yeah. That's good. Preach, preacher. Any of that. Any of that is all, is all great. That's, that's great. All of that. Okay. It's Thanksgiving, and, uh, and so this time of the year is the best, isn't it? Isn't it the most wonderful time of the year? Andy Williams had it right. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Give, it, give yourselves a round of applause. That's amazing. Good job, guys. I can tell you did your vocal warm-ups, okay? We're ready. Well, the, uh, the holidays are in full effect in the green home. Christmas music. Christmas movies and Christmas trees. Seven, count them, seven Christmas trees in the green home have been up since November 1st. It's a true story. And uh, so the Christmas is, is in full effect. Also Thanksgiving, we had two Thanksgiving dinners at our house this week. Uh, and, uh, and so we are, we are in full effect of the holidays. And, uh, and for Thanksgiving this year, on Thanksgiving Day, uh, I, I usually do a wet brine for the turkey if the Thanksgiving dinner is going to be at our house. I don't know if you have ever wet brined a turkey before, but you put uh, a lot of ingredients into a pot. I actually brought the pot from home right here. This is it, okay? So in this very pot, I use it once a year, and it's for, it's for Thanksgiving, okay? And uh, in, in the ingredients for the wet brine, I got it from Pioneer Woman, so thank you for that, Pioneer Woman. I made some adjustments, so it's the ZGV, the Zach Green version. Uh, and so uh, it is three cups of crayon apple juice, okay, and then four tablespoons of rosemary, five cloves of garlic minced, 
One and a half cup of salt, three cups of brown sugar, three tablespoons of peppercorns, five whole bay leaves, two gallons of water. You bring all of that into a boil, into the pot. And then when it's boiled over, you stir it, you cover it, you cool it. Once it's cooled, you pour it over the turkey. You let the turkey sit in the brine for 24 hours. Everybody say, wow. I know. So we have a cooler that's the brine cooler, okay? So we put the turkey in the brine cooler. We pour the brine onto the turkey. We take shelves out of the refrigerator. We put the cooler into the refrigerator. It sits 24 hours. Then you take the turkey out of the brine. You sit the turkey in cold water for 15 minutes, and then you take the turkey out. You pat it. Give it a little TLC. Pat dry it. And then and only then do you put it in the cooking bag. And when you do, it is a very tasty turkey. Everybody give it up for Daylin again. He's very helpful. Biceps are huge. And so when you do, that turkey comes out juicy. It comes out tasty. And so if you've never brined a turkey before, um, then I highly recommend you do so or just go buy a Traeger. But we, we, did, we, we did the wet brine. We did the turkey. It was so amazing. And the holidays, they're just the best. And so why is there this dichotomy of feelings during the holidays, right? If it's the most wonderful time of the year, why are people so crazy, okay? If it's the hap, hap, happiest season of all, why are people so sad, right? Like, what in the world? If, if it's the most joyous season, then, then why is this season filled with, with stress and, and anxiety and all the feels? Why is there this dichotomy of feelings? Well, if you find yourself today in a place that is needing help, you're, you're in your feels. If, if you are feeling stressed, if you're feeling sad, if you're feeling lonely, if you're feeling depressed, if you're feeling any of those things, I have the answer. It's one word. It's gratitude. It's gratitude. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to look at the ingredients of gratitude because UC Davis Health Medical Center they had a bunch of patients, and they, they did a study with their patients. They gave them a gratitude journal. And here was their findings. This is insane. Here was their findings from every one of their patients who kept a gratitude journal. 16% lower levels of anxiety, 23% lower levels of cortisol, stress hormones. It, they re, this is crazy. They reduced their dietary fat intake by 25%. There's a diet pill. Hello? That's what I'm talking about. They reduced the risk of depression in at-risk patients by 41% and reduced feelings of hopelessness in 88% of suicidal inpatients. It's, it's crazy. So, so the answer to a peaceful, stress-free, healthy, happy, hope-filled holiday season, it's one word. Say it with me. Gratitude. That's it. It's gratitude. And so what, we, what we're going to do today is we're going to look at a story in the Bible, and we're going to learn the ingredients of gratitude. If you're taking notes today, and I hope that you are, it's the way to get a hot tub in your house in heaven, in church, okay, it's true, it's in the Bible, then you can write down the title of the message today, the ingredients, 
to gratitude. Write that down. So we're going to be reading out of Luke 7 today. Everybody say Luke 7. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there now. If you don't have a hard copy of God's Word, then you can uh, open or download the YouVersion Bible app. It has our notes in there already today. You can search some of our church. Or you go to our app. We have an app, guys. What? It's crazy. We have an app, and you can take notes on it. You can also look up the Bible on that as well. So before we read this story about this dinner, I'd like to set the table for the dinner, pun intended, okay? Here's, here's what's happening. In, in two verses before this story of the dinner, Jesus has already been identified as a friend of sinners. That's in verse 34 of Luke 7. And the host of this dinner, his name is Simon. Now, Simon is a very common name in the Bible. There's Simon Peter, there's Simon the Zealot, Simon of Cyrene, there's Simon, Simon the Leper. There's a lot of Simons, okay? So this Simon is a Pharisee. Pharisees were the legalistic rule followers of the faith, okay? They're kind of like the Karens of the faith, okay? They're just like, they're, they're going to make sure everybody knows, okay, that they're sinners, your name's Karen, I'm sorry. It's just a cultural reference. But they were, they were the rule followers. They were, they were the ones pointing at everybody else saying, you're a sinner. Sinners. Sinners. They just, look, they just look around and they just see sinners everywhere they look. And so a Pharisee was self-righteous. There's someone who thinks that on their own, by themselves, have moral excellence and that's what gives them their place in heaven. So he already doesn't like Jesus because Jesus hangs out with sinners. Jesus breaks all the rules. And so Pharisees have already called him. They've called him a blasphemer. They've called him a friend of sinners. They don't like him. Okay? So a Pharisee is the one who invites Jesus to dinner. Doesn't make sense. In verse 36 is what it says. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined, reclined at a table. So when you would go to a dinner party, that's what this would have been, um, in that day, people would have invited you to their house, and then the people with money would have had a nice little courtyard, okay? And so they'd have a table where you can kind of sit and have a party out in the courtyard. And what you would do is you'd put a cushion or a pillow down and you would recline on the table and you would lean on your left arm. Now, this was the position I was in after my third helping last night of the second Thanksgiving dinner, but it was not because I was following Jewish tradition. It's because I had too many rolls. But this is, this is the position they were in, okay? So they would lean on their left arm and then they would use their right arm to, to feed themselves. And no forks, no spoons. And so... How it would work is you'd, you'd recline at the table, and then guests were seated by age or importance. And the place of honor was in the middle of the table where no more than three people sat. So these are like the bigwigs, okay? These are the important people at the dinner. There was a special seat of honor in it, that sat next to the host at the right hand of the host and reclined on him. Can you imagine being big spoon to Jesus? This is amazing. I'm just saying. So it was, also, it was also customary to greet your guests with a kiss. 
And then what you would do is you would give them water to wash their feet because their feet were nasty. And then uh, you would give them oil so that they would smell better because there was no Gillette Clinical back in the day. So that was customary. That was, that was what you did when you invited somebody over to your house. Pick it up in verse 37. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisees' house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them up with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. So what happened here was this woman who had lived a sinful life, we'll learn more about her in, in just a second, but she comes in and she does all of the things that the host was supposed to do. She, she did all of the hospitable, customary things that a host was supposed to do. The person who invited Jesus to dinner was supposed to do these things, but he hadn't done it. And so what would happen is in the courtyard where they're eating dinner, they would open the gates and people from the public would oftentimes, they would walk by it, they would see the party, and sometimes they would, they would onlook. And so she's literally just passing by the dinner and she sees that Jesus is there. And so she did the things that the host didn't do. And she did them with extravagance. Verse 39, when the Pharisee who invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is and that she is a, say it with me, sinner. That's, how, that's probably how he talked. So this is crazy. This guy's saying this to himself in his mind. Jesus reads his mind and then responds to him. So have you ever done this? Somebody walks into a room and like you're, you automatically make judgments about them, right? Like you, you form opinions about them. You're like, know where they just came from. <laughs> okay. We all do this. It's a part of humanity. We can't help ourselves. So the Pharisee is doing this to the, the woman who lived a sinful life. Jesus reads his mind and then answers him. Look at this. Verse 40. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. In other words, buckle up, buttercup. About to receive a lesson. Tell me, teacher, he said. Jesus, Jesus gives him a, a simple parable because he would oftentimes do this to talk to dumb people to try and get them to understand. Two people owed some money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them would love him more? Simon replied, I, well, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly. Good for you. Jesus is reading his mind, and then he's answering him, and then he gives him a really simple math problem to put him in checkmate. He reads his mind, he answers his thoughts, and he teaches him a lesson. Really simple math problem. First of all, can you imagine thinking something and then somebody like answering your thoughts? Baller. 
Then it's a simple math problem. So it's, neither of them could pay the debt. So imagine someone owes 10 grand on a car payment, okay? They call the bank and they say, hey, I can't pay my car payment this month. I'm so sorry. And the bank tells them, it's okay. We have forgiven your loan in full. We'll send you the lien release on Monday, okay? That's a pretty good day. Somebody else calls and they owe $100,000 on their home loan. They call the same bank. And they say, hey, I'm so sorry. Times are tough. I can't pay my mortgage payment this month. I'm so sorry. The bank tells them, hey, it's okay. You now own your house free and clear. It's yours. It's amazing. Now, let me just ask you. Who do you think is going to be happier? The one who doesn't have a car payment or the one who doesn't have a house payment? The answer is simple. Dave Ramsey. I'm kidding. It's, it's the, one, the one who doesn't have a house payment anymore. Verse 44, then he turned towards the woman and he said to Simon. So you see what's happening here. He's still, he's still reclining. The woman's behind him at his nasty feet. And he's like, he's like looking at her, but he's talking to Simon. Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You didn't give me any water for my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't put oil on my head, but she poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins, somebody say many sins, have been forgiven as her great love has shown. So he's saying, hey, the love that she's showing is evidence that she has already been forgiven and she's giving love in response to this. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. He's saying, bro, yeah, she sinned a lot. Like, she has. But you've sinned too. He's wanting to make it very clear to the Pharisee. You are not absent of sin. You are not without sin. Even though you think you've done all the right things, even though you, you think that you're righteous in and of yourself, you're not perfect. And, and although, yeah, she has sinned a lot, she has recognized the Savior, and she is now giving him adequate honor and worship. Verse 49, the other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So there's a lot of things that we can learn from this story about the woman who lived in sin, about gratitude. She, she is putting on a clinic of how to live a lifestyle that is fully in gratitude, an overflow of gratitude. When we learn these things and apply them to our lives, we'll be more like Jesus and less like this world. So we'll put them on the screen, all three of them, and then we'll dive in. First one, gratitude comes from a place of humility. Secondly, gratitude is complete in a posture of worship. And thirdly, gratitude continues in perfect peace. Okay, so we'll, we'll spend the majority of our time talking about these three things and applying them to our lives. 
Let's take a look at the first one. Gratitude comes from a place of humility. Let's look at the introduction again of this woman in verse 37. It says, a woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. Okay, so when it says that she lived a sinful life, what this probably meant is that she was a prostitute. And so she comes into the courtyard gates, and as soon as she walks in, most of the people at the party would know who she is. She would be known in the town, and they would know what she did for a living. And so what, what she would do is, if she was wearing this perfume, it would show because of, it was a very nice container. It was a translucent container. It had a cork on the top. And, and because she was wearing that around her neck, it meant that she was successful at her job, meaning that she had sent, sinned a lot. And so she comes, in, she comes in with this perfume around her neck, and she heard that Jesus was at Simon's house. Let's take a look at Simon again, though. Simon was focused on the sins of the person. And he was trying to catch Jesus in not being omniscient, not knowing everything, not being God. He was trying to catch him in that. So Simon literally has Jesus to dinner to try to expose him, to try and trick him. And he's trying to catch Jesus while she is just trying to love Jesus. Do you see the dichotomy here? The two sinners. She's the one that has a lot of sin. He's the one that, who doesn't think he's sinned at all. And she's the one who's coming into this place and she's giving adequate honor and worship. All he's trying to do is debunk the significance of Jesus' ministry when Jesus is just trying to do that ministry. And here's, here's, here's the root of it. We understand that pride is the root of all sin, right? We understand that, that even Lucifer, when he was in heaven, and he was the director of music, he thought that he could do it better than God. And pride ultimately led to him being kicked out of heaven. That, that's where sin starts. It's with pride. And pride, it, it brings us to a place of self-righteousness. Pride, the, the problem with pride is it always looks outward. Pride, it always looks at everybody else. How's everybody else sinning? Where has everybody else gone wrong? It always looks outward in what is wrong with everyone else. Pride also feels entitled to things. Have you noticed this? Like pride feels like they deserve everything. This is where Simon was at. Simon was at a place where he felt like he deserved a seat at the table. Simon felt like he deserved grace. Simon felt like he deserved righteousness. So instead of inviting Jesus in to learn from him, to receive grace from him, to love him, and to honor him, Simon's trying to find holes in Jesus' ministry, and he's trying to highlight the sin of someone else. Pride makes us think that we're not in the wrong, but everyone else is. And here's the thing about pride. It affects our gratitude because we can't be thankful for something that we think we deserve. 
You and I, we, we can't find ourselves at a place of gratitude for something that we think we deserve. Have you noticed this? Have you, have you ever had a friend or a coworker or a family member and they think they deserve the world, right? They think they deserve it all. That's, that's because of the pride of humanity. But this woman, she, she comes with humility. She has a foundation of humility. She decided not just to wash his feet, but to do so with her very expensive perfume. Verse 38. She began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. The word wet in the Greek, it it means rain. She's raining tears on Jesus. This is like ugly cry, okay? Anybody an ugly crier in here? Anybody? She's having an ugly cry moment, okay? Has anybody had any ugly cry moments lately? It's okay. It's okay. She's having an ugly cry moment. Not only that, but she let her hair down. This is a big deal. This is a big deal for big deal for all women, but this is a really big deal for Jewish women because at this time to let your hair down was disgraceful. In fact, Women who were married, if they let their hair down in public, that was grounds for divorce. It was a big deal. But she, she let her hair down to wipe up her tears and his feet. Now, I'm just going to be real. This had to make the guests feel very uncomfortable, right? Like, can you just imagine you're at a dinner party, okay? And you're, you're probably eating some sort of cheese. Some, some, you know, you've got your cheese and your wine and, and some sort of delicate meat, okay? And it's, and it's, you're probably being fanned. And you're just having dinner, right? You're reclining. And here comes this woman. And she's making a scene, but she didn't care. She didn't care about the cultural norms. She didn't care about being embarrassed. She didn't care about making a scene. She didn't care about letting her hair down because all she cared about was being with the one true God, the King of Kings, the one who forgave her sins. She understood that she didn't deserve it. She couldn't earn it, but come on, church. She humbled herself. That's what she did. She came from a place of humility. She, she got down to his feet, a lowly position, putting on a physical display of how unworthy she was. So gratitude comes from a place of humility, but the second thing we learn is that gratitude is, a compl- is complete in a posture of worship. So not only does it have this foundation of humility, but it's complete when we worship. Look at verse 44. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, you see this woman? I came into your house. You didn't give me any water for my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. She was not only approaching Jesus with humility, but she's taking her her wages. She's taking what's valuable to her. 
and she's pouring it out. That's gratitude. Gratitude is taking what's valuable to us and giving it back to God. Gratitude is saying, this is something that I've earned, I've worked really hard for, this is mine, but I'm going to put myself at a place of humility, and I'm going to give God worship. That's worth-ship. It's the, it's the worship that he's worthy of. You know what she's saying in this moment? There's nothing and there's nobody that's more valuable than God. God is the most important, the most valuable person to me. I'm not only humbled by it, I don't deserve it, but I'm going to give you all the honor, all the worship, and all the praise. So, so the ingredients to gratitude, certainly not as much as a wet brine, okay? A lot of ingredients in that. It's actually super simple. It's two ingredients. Humility plus worship equals gratitude. Humility plus worship equals gratitude. When you approach God with humility, you respond to him with worship, suddenly you're filled with gratitude. God actually grants it to you. He, he gives it to you. It, it, it completes your life. It allows you to live your life most fulfilled. You know, it's, it's a consistent reminder that you and I, we don't deserve grace. We don't deserve to be able to have a relationship with God. But when we give him that gratitude, it keeps us centered. So she brought worship that God was worthy of. She had already put herself in a position that was lowly, but then she postured herself in worship. She's saying, I don't care what anybody else in this room is going to do. I don't care if the host has done his job or not. I don't care if, if the customary hospitality has been done, but I know for me, I'm going to give worship to the creator, to the sustainer, to the sacrifice, the forgiver of my sins, to the strength in our weakness, the way, the truth, and the life. I'm going to give God worship. This is somebody who worships God with her life, not just in a song. You know, some of us, we, we come in here and we sing Christian karaoke for a couple of minutes. We follow the lyrics on the screen, and that's our worship for the weekend. And we can get into the habit of that. But what she had done is she had humbled herself and understood my life, it's now worship to God. That if I'm going to live a life, I'm going to live a life of worship. And, and that's why this isn't just a moment. This is an entire lifestyle for this woman. And that's what we can learn from her. The, the third thing that we can learn from her is that gratitude continues in perfect peace. Look at this. Jesus says her sins have already been forgiven. Verse 47, therefore, I tell you her many sins, somebody say many sins, have been forgiven as her great love has shown She's putting on a display of her great love in response to the grace that she's received. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. You know what he's saying to Simon? Like, 
hey, you're not as great as you think you are. You don't think that you need forgiveness. And so guess what? You're not going to be forgiven. (laughs) People who who just keep the pride and they keep the self-righteousness, they walk in misery and and they, they walk chained up. That's a weight to them. But somebody who recognizes, hey, I do not deserve any of this. You actually humble yourself and then you give God proper, adequate worship. Then you get to walk in peace. Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. So this tense, when he says her many sins have been forgiven, is called present perfect tense. It means that something that has happened in the past and will continue into the present. He's saying her many sins that have been forgiven. Can I tell you this? Your sins that you have committed, the ones that you're presently committing, maybe even on the way to church, okay? Maybe maybe there's some sinning going on, okay? The sins that you will commit in the future, When God forgave you of those sins, he forgave you past, present, and future. It's a perfect God who's served by imperfect people who saves us past, present, future. So then we get to walk in peace. You say, well, what's peace? What's peace and how can I find it? Here's what what he says in verse 49. The other guests begin to say to themselves, Who's this one who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So the word in the Greek here, it's irene. Everybody, let's say that together on three. One, two, three. Irene. Good job. Even trilled the R a little. Proud of you. Here's what it means. It, It doesn't mean a current state. It means a direction that, that we're walking in in our lives. It means the way that leads to peace. And, and the direction that we're walking is the cr- tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ. And so fearing nothing from God and content with, say it with me, everything on earth. So it's not just a peace that's a feeling. It's not just a peace from getting along with everyone. This peace is a supernatural peace. And it comes from the understanding that God, who has forgiven your sins, is going to be with you as you walk through this life. And so as he points you in the direction, he's not saying, I need you to walk a perfect life. I just need you to walk in peace. He's saying, as you go, don't go in perfection because you can't. Go in the direction of peace, knowing that I've already saved you. So you see what happens when we approach God with humility. We respond to him in worship. We get to walk in peace. That's a peace that's assured of your salvation. And when you do that, what ends up happening is gratitude. The people who walk in this peace are content with everything. And when somebody's content, they're not worried about the finances. 
They're not worried about being right in an argument. They're not worried about family dynamics in the holidays. They're not worried about being worried. They're not, they're not filled with depression. When they're content, it's a contentment that we can't get from ourselves. It's a contentment that we can't get from anything in this life because anything and everything that you get from this life will ultimately die away. It will ultimately come to an end. But the contentment that we have in God, that's forever because he has forgiven us past, present, and future so we get to go in peace. That's what we get when we have a relationship with God. We approach him with humility getting down in a lowly position. Sorry, camera people. I didn't tell you I was doing this. Getting down in a lowly position and saying, God, I I don't deserve this. I could never earn this. Nothing that I could ever do would, would make me earn the grace and the love that you've given me. We start there. Start with thanksgiving. And then once we've thanked God, once we've approached it with humility, then we give him the worship that he's due. So the Bible tells us to enter his courts with thanksgiving and praise. Let this not just be something that we apply during the holiday season, but let this be a copy paste to every single day. And we wake up and say, God, I want to live a life today that's gracious. I want to live a life that's filled with gratitude. And when we do that, we will live the most fulfilled life. Would you pray with me? God, we come before you today, and Lord, we're thankful. We're grateful, God, that you give us the opportunity to have a relationship with you. We know, God, that that's why you created us in the first place. You created us to have a relationship with you. That's how gracious you are. You created us just because you love us. And so, Lord, the only adequate response is to worship you. Lord, may we get over ourselves so that we can humble ourselves so that we can adequately worship you. With heads bowed and eyes closed all across this place, I just want to give you an opportunity to respond to this amazing truth today. That is, God loves you. God has a plan for your life. When he looks onto this service in person, those of you who are watching online, he doesn't just see a big group of people. He sees individual people with individual purposes. He had you in mind when he created the world. And so knowing that, some of you, you walked into this room today, you clicked online and you're not right with God. But you want to make a decision today to either start that relationship or come back to God. And I want to give you an opportunity to do that. So if you say, Zach, that's me. I'm not right with God, but man, I want to be. I want to accept this relationship with Jesus. I want to make that decision today. Would you just raise a hand and look up at me long enough for me to see it? Then you can put it down. Say, Zach, that's me. I'm not right with God, but man, I want to be.
Raise your hand if you're watching online. You can click in. Thank you. Hands are going up. That's you. Say, Zach, that's me. I'm not right with God, but I want to be. Awesome. Thank you. Who else in here? Say, Zach, that's me. I want that relationship. I know I could never earn it or deserve it, but man, I want that relationship and that grace from Jesus. If that's you, just raise your hand. Look up at me long enough for me to see. You can put it down. Thanks. Praise God. Anybody else? It's amazing. All across this room, would you just stand to your feet? I want to take a, a moment, and, and we're going to respond in worship here in just a moment. I'm going to invite the prayer team to come down front now. And before we respond in worship, I just want to tell you that if, if that's you, you raise your hand today, say, Zach, that's me. I want to make that decision today. Man, we, we would love to pray with you so you can come down front as we're singing. And we'd love to pray with you. We'd love to give you a Bible if you need one after service. Or if you're, if you're in here today and you're like, hey, I don't need to give my life to Jesus, but I am on Struggle Street during this season and I need, I need prayer. I need help. We're here. We're family. We'd love to pray with you, believe with you, know that God will do a miracle in your life. But before we do, can we just have all across this room, would you lift your hands towards heaven? I want to pray a prayer of blessing over you. Father, I come to you today and I, and I pray for every single person who is in this room, everyone watching online, God, that you would bl bless their lives. Lord, that they would approach you with humility, that they would respond to you with worship. God, that they would walk in gratitude, walk in peace, and then repeat every day for the rest of their lives so that they could live a life most fulfilled. Father, we love you.